0: Coming up. Welcome to the Bat Flip Crazy
1: Podcast with your host, Toby G. Hello and welcome to episode 248 of the Batflip Crazy podcast, where you'll always find enthusiastic, data-driven fantasy baseball analysis and strategy. I am your host, Toby. Today, tonight, is edition number 152 of Bubba and the Batflip. And, um, yeah, we've got a little bit of an announcement at at the end of the show, so... Um, stay tuned from that, but it's been a, a wonderful offseason. Um, it's been great to, uh, uh, to go through the players with Bubba, uh, go through the positions, the previews, the re-previews, um, and we get to, to lighten up a little bit um, and go through our bold predictions, go through our FOMOs, um, and go through some of our, our players that we have the most shares of. So, hope you enjoy uh, this episode as always. Um, thank you so much for listening Let's get this party started.
0: And welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Bub on the Bat Flip, episode 152. As you know, we have finished our previews. We finished our previews. We finished drafting. It's that wild. When you listen to this, if you're not watching live, you probably got real baseball in the background. Like, it's happening. Meaningful baseball uh unlike what other people don't like so it's gonna be a lot of fun it's been a fun preseason. it's been a fun draft season where i talk about that and so much more on this episode uh as we wrap up draft season you can find myself on twitter at bdn and my coast as always on twitter at batflipcrazy. toby g how we doing my friends
1: doing well bubba um i was fortunate to be able to go to vegas this uh this past weekend had a great time it was good to see everybody I'm um, good to do drafts. I did 4 out of my 5 big drafts there. I had one OC last night. Um and after that I'm 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 all all finished. I've been whittling down my leagues over the years. I think I have like You did good my...
0: too. You stayed committed to that this
1: year. You did very good with that. I did. I did. I'm I'm a little proud of myself. I mean, it still seems like I have a lot cuz I have seven fab leagues, but um one's TGFBI, one's Barf, and then I've got, you know, the three auctions a Maine and an OC, but I think it was two years ago when I probably had my worst year too. I can't remember how many I think I had like 14 or something like that. um, Fab drafts and that just was not an enjoyable experience so last year I whittled it down a little bit more this year I removed two drafts from what I did last year. Um, So slowly but surely kind of getting it down being able to focus a little bit more, um, you know which is, which is, which is nice and and all kind of part of the plan so. Um, I'm excited. I'm excited for the season to start. It's wild that it's tomorrow, you
0: know? It, it is wild for sure. Like I wrapped up my OCs earlier today on Wednesday. So my draft season is done 23 NFPC leagues, but only six fab. That was nice. my, my, my hope. My whole thing was when I started drafting, I wanted to do like have one slow draft going at all times just to keep my mind fresh on what's going on. I was doing like $50 fifth 50s. I wasn't breaking the bank. I just wanted to slow grow it to continue to watch, like getting ready for it. So come the, the the heart of draft this season I was ready to roll. So yeah, it's fun. It's it's a shame because we love drafting, but this is what we do it for to play baseball and watch it and make it work. It's a ton of work. And you guys know what Toby like he puts in the hours on this like the Saturday night specials and all that good yeah. stuff. Um it's it's impressive. It's a grind. That's why he's successful and you know you get the Steve Weimers of the world and these guys tell how and he's obviously in the same chat as Toby with uh, Rob and the robot. So uh, and he's think slack in that one too. I not remember.
1: Um, he, he, he's, like an uh, he's an honorary member. member. An yeah. honorary <laughs> member. <laughs> By virtue but, of sharing a
0: team with me. Yeah, there you go. But yeah, it's like these guys put in ridiculous hours. So it's uh it shows in the work and um, yeah, it'll be fun to see how this year goes. Really, really, really looking forward to it. Um, So on this episode, we do our, our final episode before the season's always player shares and some other goodies. So we'll talk about a few players that we have rostered in many of our leagues. Uh, bold predictions a few of those each and some FOMO players because that's the fun of this Toby we do all the research we do all the work we talk about the players we do the drafts you look back and you go I have none of this player or just like very 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 little of this player and I know I liked this player I know I talked about this player or it's just those little things and so uh, we'll t- we'll mention a few of those as well so let's get to player shares. We'll talk about a handful of these. Toby, I'll let you go first. You can pick it like you said before the show. It's a good idea. Just kind of mix and match. Pick who you want that you have high amounts of shares of. So I'll let you have the floor. Who is the first player you'd like to discuss on your player shares?
1: Yeah, a player I have in six leagues, which is, uh, I guess, 66.7% of my leagues. I also did two DCs this year. Um, and a guy I have on four of my five big leagues is, and you're going to be sad about this, uh, Dodgers relief pitcher, Bruce Starr Gratterall. Right. Um, he is my spec of the year. Um, I think things are lining up. I think the Dodgers, they've either articulated or inferred that Evan Phillips will be kind of the high leverage guy, the guy that they want to have um, in, in critical situations. I think Dave Roberts in his postmortem from last year. Um, kind of alluded to the fact that they should have brought him in earlier in some of the, some of those deciding games. And so I think they want to have him as the guy that comes in to face the heart of the lineup. So I think he may get some saves. But the other options that have been bandied about are Brewstar Gratterall and Daniel Hudson. Now, Hudson doesn't isn't going to be back until late April. So it could be that he takes the reins. I mean, he was kind of the guy that was going to be the closer um, towards the end of last year before some injuries sidelined him. Gratterall got a couple saves when um, uh, Kimbrell was struggling a little bit. But I really think Gratterall is that guy. He doesn't have the strikeout ability that you would generally um, think about um, from a, cro- a closer. And so I think that's that. That's kind of the one strike against him. But he's been such an effective reliever um, for a long time. Um, uh, well, I guess I should say like he was an effective reliever last year. Um, but he doesn't really walk guys, right? He, um, he had 33 innings two years ago where he had a little bit of a walk issue, but outside of that, you're at 5% or lower. Um, he does not give up hard contact. You know, he's only given up, uh, he gives up about half a home run per nine. So one home run every 18 innings, he's got a 63% ground ball, right? Go ground ball rate he gets chases on pitches outside the zone he throws with velocity I think it's going to be his job to begin with and I think if he gets the job to begin with and he's he's closing out those games I see no reason why they wouldn't stick with him uh, unless he blows it and so um, for the price he was going at I I did three auctions and two snake drafts for my big drafts for the auctions I got him for two to three dollars in auctions which was a risk I was willing to take um, in the main, I think I drafted him around round 19, right around 20, so fairly late. I mean, still a little early for a spec, but um, being the closer for the Dodgers is one of the best jobs in baseball, um, at least for closers. And so I'm kind of banking on that as, as a potential, you know, relatively high risk just in terms of him not being viable if he's not getting saves, but also really high reward. So Gratterall is a guy I'm excited to have on, on six of my teams, but uh, most importantly, four of my five really big big
0: leagues. I like that a lot, especially uh, the two to three dollars in an auction, like end game. Might not even have been an end game, but two to three dollars is pretty outstanding. I looked, I have him in only two leagues. I know I was, I don't don't know if it was because he became more popular as draft season one, because those were my early like 50s. I was targeting him late in those where you could literally get them for almost free in those drafts before the buzz really got going. I think people still was thinking, you know, maybe Kinley will come back or maybe this or that. and None of it happened. But, uh, yeah, I like the Bruce Dark kind of bit. He's very, very talented. Uh, For me, this is a guy that might not, like, woo about a lot of people. But for a catcher, too, I'm over the moon for Jonah Heim. And I didn't realize I had so many shares of him. It was just one of those, like, if I wasn't going catcher, catcher early. I was always getting one of the top guys. We talked about that. at least top guys, like, top eight or nine guys. But then um, I went and I was always good with waiting on Jonah Heim. And I got him in eight of my 23 leagues, so 44.4%. Of my leagues have Jonah Hyman in them, and it's a it's a a good and a bad. Like he hit 16 home runs last year, he only hit 227. Uh, I like to compare him to a poor man's Cal Raleigh, is the way I say it, because um, Raleigh could probably hit about you know 10 to 15 more home runs. But uh, I think Jonah Hyman has a better batting average. We saw him actually hit for average in the minors, uh, so we'll see how comfortable he gets here in the big leagues. 19.3 uh, percent K rate, 9.1 percent walk rates, pretty darn solid. For a 27-year-old catcher, uh, that's the Babbitt was way down compared to his career norms in the minors, so we'll see how that plays out. Uh, But he has max EV was the best he's ever had. His barrel rate got up to 6.9%. Obviously, you want higher than that, but that was an improvement. His hard hit rate at 39.6, you want higher. Still an improvement. I just like seeing the strides he was taking to get better and better. Again, you're taking this guy way past pick 200 in a lot of leagues. Uh, He's a catcher, too. He's like the spitting image of a catcher, too, if you're not going heavy on catchers. And for the most part, he's going to play a lot with Texas. They still have Mitch Garver. And, yeah, Garver was injured last year, so Heim played a lot. That'll be the argument. But they wanted Heim to play a lot anyways last year. They were DHing Garver before he got hurt. Like, their intentions were to play Jonah Heim at at catcher. We'll see. Like, Garver was actually catching in spring training this year, which kind of worried me a slight bit. Obviously not enough for 44.4% of my rosters. But um, I am intrigued to see how they play that out. I still think he, you know, plays 110, 120 games, which – in this era of catchers, as a catcher two, that's about what you're going to get, if not better. You're probably hoping for 100 games with your catcher two unless you draft early. So I'm going Jonah Heim. I think there's another level there. I think he's a 245, 250 hitter, which is in line with a lot of catchers, a lot of catchers. And if he can do that, maybe that drops in another four or five home runs, gets him to 20 home runs. If anything, he's already driving in like 51 last year. That could up, except Texas offense going to be pretty darn good this year. So I just think there's a lot of I think we, there's a lot more we can possibly see from Jonah Heim, and at his price, I was willing to take those chances. Who's your next guy?
1: Um, I'm going to go with Charlie Morton, um, who is my most. Charlie. Um, I, Charlie. I have the most shares of him of any starting pitcher. Um, I do of Charlie Morton, which honestly, given how he's pitched in the spring, is a little bit concerning because uh, he's given up a lot of runs and a decent number of walks as well. Um, but the reason why I was into Charlie is because of where he was going in drafts around pick 150 and the opportunity um, for strikeouts. You know, he was over 200 strikeouts last year and slightly over 170 um, in- innings pitched. So the volume is really nice there. He struggled earlier on in the season and, and a little bit late, honestly, but the skills really turned around in the second half um, of the year. Um, he had a uh, 30.1% uh, strikeout rate. Um, in the second and uh, in his last ten starts, and an 8.5% walk rate, so slightly above league average, but still about a 21.5% K-minus walk rate, which is tremendous. Um, also a 34% O-swing, so really like that. He's getting uh, swings on pitches outside the zone, keeping those walks lower. Um, so, given that he's pitching for the Braves, you know the Braves have a great bullpen. Um, He goes some volume, and he also made that change in the second half where he was really driving out of his back leg after the broken leg last year. Um, I feel pretty good about it. Um, I definitely am a little worried after the preseason just because he's really struggled, Um, but hopefully he can turn it around. His first start is against the Nationals, so that should be a good barometer of of what we're going to get from Uncle Charlie.
0: Yeah, I love I love him. And what, one of the big reasons is, the, well, he's old and anything can happen, but the innings and the strikeouts at that at his ADP is phenomenal. So, big fan. Uh, I'll skip over my next two because I've drooled over them enough. They're my next two highest. It's uh, Thyro Estrada and Randy Rosarena. I think everybody knows how I feel about those two by now. Um, and it, the one thing I'll say about Randy, before I did my three OCs, he was clearly my most rostered player by at least two spots. I did not get him in one OC because it was Snipe City in there. Um, my one I streamed on Monday – Half the draft was listeners that dm'd me before they started so that was fun and then um today uh, i got sniped again so it's just uh people know and and he's good so good for you so what i'll go with is a different one where i snipe justin mason on monday night on him but he's like oh what are you doing I'm like justin i love tj Friedel too or Friedel, i always screw it up i like him a lot too i have him in seven of my leagues almost 39 percent, and he's projected to lead off for the reds which i love if you combine his triple-A and major numbers last year, 16 homers, 17 steals, he had eight homers and seven steals with the Reds. He struck out 15.5% of the time, which I, I know I'm saying these things, but I know Toby understands. When you can get a guy, uh, essentially, like he played you know, 14 games before last year, but 72 games last year, to strike out that much, basically essentially in your debut is pretty darn impressive in my mind. That's really, really strong stuff, which he did through all, all throughout the minors. Uh, in the minors, he walked a lot, walked a little less this last year. But I think that 240 average last year, you can pump that up a little more. He's been a, a pretty solid hitter in recent years. But power speed, this is a dude that I believe, you know, you're getting a really late. He's a 15-15 guy, if not more, in Great American Small Park. Uh leading off could score a ton of runs for the Reds. And the reason I love him, and it was almost like it was going to be in the bold prediction column, but I kinda I'll leave it alone for this one. Um, his teammate, Jake Fraley, who we all love too. Like there's a lot to love there. He's supposed to hit in the middle of the order. It's great. I said uh, to Mason when he didn't believe that I like TJ. I said, I believe TJ has a better fantasy season than Jake Fraley. So um give me that with TJ Friedel. And I have a lot of Fraley too. I and two of my OCs, I took both of them in the same draft. Because if anything, I want them to open the series this season at home against the Pirates. Like give me that those games right out the gate. But um I like TJ a lot. Big fan and I think the sky's the limits could be like his first full full season with the Reds in that ballpark it's going to be a glorious thing for TJ, especially if he leads off all season. So big fan of him.
1: What about you? Um, the next guy on my list is um, Kyle Isbell. Um, well, there's a couple other guys. Like I also have Brad Boxberger at six, but he's just a close respect. Uh, and Munkata, who um who is just going so far down in drafts and, um, you know, I think he can he can put together a good season if he if he can stay healthy, which is a big question mark. But Kyle Isbell is kind of my pick kind of late round target that I was going after in a lot of um, uh, a lot of my drafts. Um, you know, I I actually got him more. I got him more in my snake draft. I think I, I got him in the main. Um, and the reason why I like Isbell is, you know, he's the starting. um I think center fielder uh, for the Royals. Um, He may be platoon, which is a little bit of a, you know, a little bit of a question mark for him. But when you look at the projections, you know, in uh, the bad X has him in 410 plate appearances with nine home runs, 16 steals. Um, So you're looking at like 13 and a half home runs and um, closer to 24 steals, you know, from a guy that you're getting really late. And I love the underlying metrics. The plate discipline is pretty good. The contact rate is better than league average. Um, he had a really low um, home run per fly ball rate. You know, he doesn't hit a ton of barrels at around 5% uh, last year, nine barrels. Um, but I do think, you know, he's worked, uh, my understanding is he's worked on his launch angle, his launch angle a little bit. Um, so he was hitting the ball in the, more, the air more. He had a really nice slug in uh, spring training. Um, I don't put a lot of stock into spring training, but I do look at things like, you um, uh, air outs to ground outs, um, ratio. So essentially looking at kind of launch angle type stuff, Jeff Zimmerman did some research about that being actually something that, um, is, is, can be sticky, um, moving from the preseason. So he's a guy that I like, I think he's going to get uh, everyday playing time. If he plays well, he's going to steal a lot of bases in that lineup. Um, and he's got a solid all around approach. And so I think uh, Kyle Isbell is, is somebody that I'm happy to have on, on five of my nine teams.
0: That's that's a fun one for sure, especially with the the situation there in KC. So I, I I can see that being quite interesting uh, for me. This is an, another one. Like I went like I when I tweeted out my picture and my shared I did hashtag on brand because if you guys listen to anything I do, I pretty much love these guys. So I'll mention this one, Josh Naylor, in seven leagues as well. I won't go deep. So I've talked about him a lot, but where he's going in drafts, like he's almost like the forgotten man at first base. Where we'll let you talk about more about first base later for something, but. He was just so far down in ADP. Like, I don't know the number off the top of my head, but, you know, to me, he's almost equivalent to, to Josh Bell, if not maybe better, potentially. Like, and he's going away after his teammate Josh Bell. There's just a crew of them. And what I love about Naylor is, I think, a full season with him, which or he does 122 games last year, projections about 130. You're getting 20-plus homers, which is great. Uh, he mashes right hand pitch. He stole six bags last year. Like, Bell and those guys don't steal at all. A lot of those guys that go around him. So you're getting a little bit of steals. From your first late late first baseman, and he provides a decent average, two fifty six. It's not great, but in this era of baseball, that's that's solid, solid batter, which has Good plate skills, great power for a guy going that late in the draft. I'll say great power for him, and I just think he's a much better player than he than he goes uh, undrafted. So I haven't met a t- I've met either at corner infield or utility even on a ton of my teams. He's just littered throughout my rosters because they've said they're going to do their best to get him and Bell in the lineup as much as possible. So. I know some people are concerned as why he was falling. I can see that aspect of it. They're worried about playing time. I'm taking the chance, is what it comes down to. I think he's going to play as, unless it's a week with a ton of lefties. Yeah, you might be in trouble. But like I said, he's my corner infielder, my utility. I better have another option at that point in time. So I love Josh Naylor. Big Naylor fan.
1: Yeah, me too. I have Naylor on five of my nine teams as well. He was actually next up on my list too. So, yeah. um, and I'll talk yeah. about him a little bit later. Um, Gene Segura. Is the next one on my list? You know, um, I didn't love second base this year, um, but I was totally fine waiting until later in the draft. Um, I loved I loved uh, Segura. Um, you know, batting average, double digit homers. Although Miami Park could be a little bit chal- pose a little bit of a challenge there. And then the steals. I mean, last year he had 13 steals in 387 plate appearances. Um, So really was aggressive on the base path last year. Um, He's going to be hitting sixth for the Marlins, which isn't like the best thing in the world, but not the worst. It's actually a really nice stolen base position. Maybe he'll drive in a little bit, a few more runs, um, maybe get a little bit more um, uh, uh, of a green light um, on the bases. And with the bases with Steel's um, getting a little bit easier this year. I, I, I like um, the possibility of him stealing 15 to 20 bases this year, which is really nice. Um, and I had him as a as a pretty good bargain um, throughout drafts and somebody I have on, on a number of teams. I think I have him on three of my four biggest teams, actually yeah. four out of five, four out of five of my biggest teams.
0: That's real nice. I like that quite a bit. Um... I'm going to – because we're kind of jumping around because like I don't want to talk about William Contreras and Brian Bayo because, again, on brand on those ones, especially Contreras. So I'll do kind of something similar to your Gratterall. Um, This player I drafted on six teams, so 33.3%, a third of my teams, basically got Jose Alvarado. And what I did with Alvarado for multiple things, and if you watch a lot of smart people tweeting about it, if you just look like Stuff Plus or you look at – XP, FIP, or whatever it is Alex uh, Chamberlain uses, or just all these metrics that kind of basically say how good a pitcher really is outside of his main numbers. Alvarado, especially in the reliever department, ranks very, very high. And I've always been a fan of Alvarado. When he struggled a lot recently, um, it was the control. He was walking guys. When he's not walking dudes, he's filthy. He's striking guys out. He's creating weak contact. Um, The reason I grabbed him, and one thing I'll, I'll just open into this one, in my fab leagues, my last like three to four rounds. Not every time I did a lot of just late, late relievers because this week kind of, I want to maximize as many innings as possible on this short week. So I'll throw that caveat out there right out the gate. Um, I other thing is with Alvarado, it's a mix of closers in Philly. And I think Sir Anthony's the guy for now. I'm not saying he's not, there's no reason why Alvarado can't be like the Andres Munoz of Philadelphia and get a ton of innings and still walk away with like 10 saves. So he's intriguing to me on that end. He's just a really, really filthy pitcher that um, – and barring an injury to Sri Anthony or somebody, he could walk right into that situation, which he did for a time last season in Philadelphia. So Alvarado's a guy I have a ton of like between – and then obviously if I'm taking him late in fabs, I have him all over my DC shares. So big Alvarado guy kind of gratterall Granarol's got a clear path for sure So I'm 100% with you. I think he he's the best pitcher out of the options they keep debating back there where, you know, Philadelphia's got some legit pictures like that have closing experience, but I'll take my chances with
1: Alvarado as well. Uh, Who do you got next? Um, So next up we got, um, I'll just touch on him briefly. Uh, Nick Pavetta, I've got on four teams, including I think maybe all of my my really big leagues. Um, He was just kind of a late round guy who stood out to me in spring training you know, the stats weren't all that great for Pavetta, but um, uh, he was working on um, some uh, different movement on his breaking balls. Um, He struck out uh, a lot of guys um, and he's got a nice little two step coming up um, first week of the season uh, with, or the second week of the season with the uh, Pirates and then at Detroit as well. And so that to me um, is, is exciting to try to take advantage of that. I was in on Pavetta last year, you know, and I was not planning on being in on him. He's somebody that actually went up pretty, pretty, a good amount um, uh, during the preseason um, in projections, which got me to take another look at him and just given the need for volume, you know, in a lot of leagues, I think he can definitely um, provide that. He pitched almost 180 innings last year, struck out almost 180 guys. So um if he can figure it out, um, which again we've all been waiting for a very long time for him to do that, but if he is able to figure it out, then I think he could be in for uh he could be a really nice surprise in somebody that I was drafting in like the 25th, 26th round and 15 teamers. So um I like him.
0: Yep. I have a I liked let me actually not you mentioned it because I know in DC, I I, I just combined fifties and DCs drafted hold formats. Um I had Pavetta, I got got them in four leagues, I guarantee they're all draft and hold leagues. Mm -hmm. Um, Just for a lot of the reasons you mentioned, I'll take the chance late and hopefully he figures it out, that could be a gift. Um, The next guy I'm going to mention, because if you're a regular listener to my content and usually bubbing the bat flip, you'll know I am not a Blake Snell guy at all. But I have said on our previous shows that I did like the developments we saw last year, so on and so forth. Biggest thing, can you stay healthy? Can you throw innings? Okay, I'll throw that caveat out there. He's on six of my teams, a third of my teams. Um, and I believe they were all earlier in draft season. I know that because he's not on any of my OCs, my last three drafts. Um, not that not because I didn't want him, just the way the drafts felt. But what I like about what I'm seeing from Blake Snell is on the season, you know, 3380 RA, 321 XFIT, that's great. 128 innings, 24, 24 starts. You, that's actually not bad for Snell if he can somehow sneak a few more. But 171 K's and 128 innings pitch, that's an electric factory. 32% K rate, 22.4% K to walk. The walks are still a bit of an issue. But here's what I really, really like to see from Blake Snuggs. He got the late start to the season due, of course, to injuries. But he pretty much, for the most part, stayed healthy most of the season. But from All-Star Break on, July 23rd on, he had a 219 ERA, 273 X FIP. He went seven and five in 14 starts, 105 K's. He went over six or over five innings, which for Snell's great. One, two. Um, in 12 of his 14 starts, basically six or more, and looks like 10 of his 14 starts. That's what we're looking for from Blake Snell. And that K to walk went up to 27.3%. Like, he became a very, very good, like, almost, almost looked like he was returning to the Cy Young form and didn't get that far. I'm not going to be crazy. But you're also not paying a premium on draft day with Snell. And that's what I like about Blake Snell. He could be your third or even fourth pitcher, depending on how you draft. And he, we've seen him be a Cy so Young pitcher. And if he can pitch three-quarters of the season, the way he did after the All-Star break, let alone the whole season, he's worth third or fourth-round pick, and you're getting him much later. So he's one of those guys. And again, it's, it's a lot of ifs with Blake Snell. I'm not going to sugarcoat it, but you also are, aren't paying the premium for it. So I took those chances on Snell earlier in draft season. I was willing to uh, gamble a bit. Because also, if you kind of miss on early pitching, even when he's not pitching many innings, He's striking out a ton of guys. His strikeouts are just elite, and that's one thing that are hard to find a little deeper in drafts you go. So I have a third of my teams help Blake Snell on them, which might surprise many people. Uh, let's do one more each here, Toby. Let's have a little fun. Uh, who's your next uh, shares person? All right. All right, the
1: next, I'm going to share a group of guys. Okay. Share a group of guys that are kind of the core of my teams because they're not like the first round picks, the second round picks, the third round picks, but they're kind of guys that are going towards in, in a little bit of higher rounds, but we're like, yeah, higher rounds where you're paying a, a hefty price for them. And you're really expecting that they're going to carry your team. And so the first one is uh, Tyler O'Neill. Um, I have, um, I think it's four shares of Tyler O'Neill. I have him in two or three of my big, my biggest leads and the thing that i love about tyler o'neill you know last year he had this god-awful season terrible no good season and he still hit 14 homers and stole 14 bases you know um a lot went wrong he's a 320 career babbitt guy he hit 277 um he's a career 21 percent home run per fly ball rate guy he had a 15.6 percent fly ball a uh, home run to fly ball he was injured all season long um he's going to play. He's going to play every day. He's a gold glove caliber um outfielder. And I think if he plays every day, he's ne- I mean he's never had more than 537 plate appearances, but in those 537 he had the 34 home runs, the 15 steals. I think he can be a 30-20 guy with a 250 batting average from the middle of the um, uh, from where he's being drafted and I absolutely just love the power speed combination from him. So Again, even if he repeats last year where he goes 383 plate appearances with 14 and 14, you know, I can live with that because I can uh, stream in replacement value for the remaining, you know, 250 plate appearances. And when you combine whatever that is with whatever he produced, um, you're still getting um, a really good player there. So that was player number one. Um, player number one, number two um, is Ryan McMahon. Um I, I love Ryan McMahon this year. Um, he improved his contact rate in the second half of last year. He improved his plate discipline in the second half of last year. The hard hit rate surged. He's going to be hitting third in the Rockies lineup. Um, he's going to get second base and third base eligibility, most likely. Um, last year in kind of an offseason for him as well um he put he still uh, hit um over 20 home runs I can't remember if it was exactly 20 or not I'm bringing it up right now the true test he hit 20 home runs last year in 600 plate appearances um he hit 23 the year before I think he can at least um repeat that but if he continues those contact gains I think we're going to see um, even more from him and it was kind of ridiculous he had 600 plate appearances and only got 67 runs and 67 RBI. And so I think there was some bad luck there when it came to the counting stats. I think those ratios will regress to um, to, to the mean, especially since he has a good walk rate. So he's on base a decent, at a decent clip, has some decent hitters behind him. So um, I really like Ryan McMahon. And then the last one, who was actually not really part of the plan. He was not really part of the plan in a lot of drafts, but for some reason, I don't know whether it was the trade or what people were worried about, but Brian Reynolds just kept on falling Man, and true. falling and falling in drafts. Um, I got him in two of my three auctions. The only reason why I didn't get him in the third auction is just to diversify. Yeah. But I got him... R- Real for... quick, how
0: much was he going for yeah. in those auctions?
1: Um, so, If, if you, if you I... have it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got him for... Uh, I think $15 in one and $14 in the other, or $16 in one and 15 in the other, I think it was $16 that I got Tyler O'Neill for in one of the auctions and $15 for Ryan, uh, Brian Re- uh, Reynolds and 14 another, I could have gotten him for 15 in the next draft. And I just didn't because I wanted to diversify, but here's a guy who outside of the very shortened season, you know, two straight years of 20 plus home runs five plus steals hitting in the middle of the pirates lineup which again is not the greatest lineup in the world but he's in the ideal position there he's a switch hitter playing every day you know he's hit 300 twice in full seasons he hit 262 last year um, with a with a uh, reduced babbitt compared to what his career is 30 points under the average um you know i love brian reddell he does everything and to boot he could potentially be traded to a contender that's going to play him every day And hit in the middle of that lineup. And so I really love Brian Reynolds. He was not a guy who, he's a guy that I liked heading in, but I ended up getting him there. And the main event, I got him at pick 109, um, which was just, I had him as a top 80 player. Um, And so that was just uh, a guy who ended up on a lot of my teams that I wasn't necessarily anticipating it, but I'm, I'm super happy about it.
0: That's that's good. It's always nice when they kind of fall to you like that. And also like, wait a minute, I'm a, I'm a fan of this scenario. And that's I, I, off the top of my head. I can't remember who it is, but I know I have a player or two. I did that in quite a few leagues. All of a sudden I'm like, I like, you now, and this is going to work. And it kept happening and happening. I'm like, am I missing something here? Like, what is it? With Reynolds though, it's easy. You say it's the trade. Like that's just simple. Like that, that was an easy one. I always had to like look up like on Rotowire news or something. Like, did I miss an injury? Like, what is good? Like today, I, okay. I'll say it real quick. My OC, like, I know Byron Buxton's Byron Buxton. We know the concerns with Byron Buxton. We know he's kind of limited in the spring training. Like, they're babying him along. We know everything there is about Byron Buxton. I had picked 120 because so I was on the turn. I was staring at him. His ADP is, like, 80. And I'm doing this chicken in my head. And then he went at 119, and I just, like, ex- exhaled. I'm like, thank you. Because in my brain, I'm like, we all know how good good he could be. He could. He's never done it, but he could. And I'm sitting there at 120, like, that's almost that's kind of worth the risk territory at that point but it's always nice when that decision's made for you um so for me uh you know you know I already mentioned Rosarena Contreras you guys know him but the um a couple like Toby so was saying like for me Jeremy Pena I have him in 33.3 percent six of my leagues he's a guy I already liked before the um Altuve injury obviously because I was drafting him early on I took him late Now he's leading off, which makes him even more valuable to me until Altuve comes back. But he'll hit for a decent average. I think his pop's legit because it's built for that ballpark, as bad analysis as that is, but it's true. We've seen it with these guys. just There's no real explanation It works for these dudes. Plus, he's got more power than you think, so it'll travel, but he's going to get plenty in that park. But more importantly, he's going to score a ton of runs at the top of that lineup, and he's going to steal bags. He's going to run. And why I loved him, and it was always him or Adamas, because right after those two guys, that shortstop thing, Cliff just dies. Like, it it takes a big dive until you get to, like, your Javi Baez, if you want to take that chance, and other guys we've talked about on the show before. But for, like, that tier of, like, pretty solid starters, it just drops after those guys. So, I was always going for Adamus or Pena. Somehow, I ended up with a little more Pena than than Adamus, even though I'd rather have Adamus. Again, when you talk for a living on these things, it feels like everyone knows who you want. So, um, I have a lot of Pena for those reasons uh, Nick Gordon I have in five of my leagues 27.8 percent I liked him before again all the twins injuries but now like there's a clear path to playing time for Nick Gordon which is beautiful to see between second base outfield he should play a ton we have talked about him on this show a lot last year how the power is starting to develop there's like a lot of good things uh barrels per home runs way off like there's a lot to like potentially about Nick Gordon so he's another one I like and then I'll name one more just for fun. I'll do this for you, Toby. It's only in four of my leagues, so 22.2%. But I'm going to throw it out there. I have a lot of guys at four, it looks like. Well, wow. um, and a lot of it's early round guys. This one's a first-round guy. This one's for you, Toby. I have Garrett Cole. He's my number one ace pitcher. It's only in four leagues, but you know how hard it is to get Cole because you have to be at the back end, basically, to make it work. And I felt like I was like seven or above in like every draft. So I'm getting Kyle Tuckers and stuff like that, so it's trickier. But if I had to pick an ace... I was picking Garrett Cole uh, as four times because I wasn't taking him in any DCs. It's all pretty much in fab format. So that's for you. I got some Garrett Cole action out there.
1: Yeah, well, I, I wish I had more Cole. I tried. I tried to get more Cole, but um, I only ended up getting him in one of my big leagues. So oh, no. he went to pick before me in my main and then he went for I got him for $40 in one. I got Matty Moe beat me to him for 38 in another auction. And I didn't go above cause I didn't want to overstock coal. but I only ended up getting him a one. And then, uh, Sean Johnson got me to 39 and I wasn't going to go to 40 yeah. for a second draft in a row on coal. So I may regret that cause I feel like a big season is coming in, but, um, what um, can you do?
0: You were 10th in your main, right? 10th, 8th, 12th, 12th. Oh, and he went in
1: yeah. 11. Yeah. He went in 11. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I actually had planned my draft where I was not going to get him, yeah, so yeah, yeah, it yeah. wasn't. It wasn't. Um, yeah, it wasn't a problem, but it was interesting for sure.
0: Yeah, it's it's, it's crazy. We we're talking before the show how these ADPs, man. It's uh, every draft is its own puzzle. It is. You have a rough idea. The ADP is a rough roadmap, but whew, does it go off the rails at times? Um, all right, let's talk some bold predictions. And again, for your listeners, don't come ask go. Oh, that's ridiculous. This is just fun. This is just goofy. Let's have some fun. And if it happens baseball fans and fantasy players would rejoice. It'd be so much. It'd be so cool. So let's have a little fun with it here. Toby, we're going to do three bold predictions each. Toby, what is your first bold prediction?
1: All right. My first bold prediction is that Miguel Vargas will be the best fantasy baseball rookie in all of baseball this year. Um, And this is a bold prediction because Corbin Carroll is going in the top 45, at least in the mains. Um, recently, Jordan Walker is pushing into the 100s. And honestly, I don't understand. I mean, I understand the Carroll thing. I don't necessarily understand the Jordan Walker thing. Obviously, like, you know, I think Julio excelled last year. Julio is a, has had a very different level of success than Jordan Walker um, previous to him making the big leagues. If you look at the projections, so if I actually take 600 plate appearances, for each player Miguel Vargas Miguel Vargas was one of the few players that I actually adjusted his playing time up because it's clear that he's the starting second baseman you know he's playing every day so I pumped it up to 550 which made him like player 120 130. if you give each player project 600 plate appearances using the projections you know you just using the projections which are not foolproof obviously but just using the projections Player number number 95 in all of baseball, Miguel Vargas at $15.79. Mr. Corbin Carroll with 600 plate appearances, $15.71. Player 96. And then who knows where Jordan Walker is? I'm scrolling and scrolling and scrolling. Uh, player 166 um, with, uh, with 600 plate appearances whether that'll be the case or not, I don't know. I mean, these could be totally wrong. I do think the the Walker love is, is, uh, is interesting to me just because there is not a single projection system that likes him. Um, at least close to his draft cost. The most, the, the projection system that likes him the most is ATC and it has him hitting 254 with 13 homers and 12 steals in 523 plate appearances. So it's not a terrible line, but um, I don't think it's enough, and I'm a little worried he's going to strike out a bit too much against good pitching. So um, that is my first bold prediction. Miguel Vargas will be the most valuable fantasy baseball rookie uh, in 2023.
0: I hope you're right because I took him in the last two drafts. I got him in a couple drafts too. Let's do it. Like I'm with you on that one. I like it a lot because he's first base. He's going to get second base eligibility. So just all the goodness all over the place there my first bullet prediction this is another on-brand move and i got sniped so many times in the last couple weeks on this player so man i i love you i love you listeners at the same time sometimes i'm very angry with you you took my boy like you can take a lot of people from me but you can't rowdy Telez is just mean it's just mean it's it's cruel uh like we resemble the same figures he's from northern California. he's from the sacramento area like come on let's go um yeah so rowdy Telez, and I've, i've said this in a roundabout way in other shows he, he, we saw the year last year, but 153 games, 35 home runs. You know, the average is down. The bad was horrific, but you look at the quality of contact metrics, like through the roof, amazing stuff. It's what you want to see from Rowdy. All the X stats say massively unlucky, blah, 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 blah. So I'm going, I'm planting the flag on Rowdy because he's going to play a ton. They played the first lefties last year. As long as they can do that, he's going to play on 150 games. Projections have him around 130. So that's like boost those up, folks. That's some confidence in the big man. Um Hit 35 home runs last year. Again, kind of unlucky. Let's be honest about it. I have Rowdy Tellez winning the National League home run title. I could have left it at that and walked away. That's bold enough. But you guys want bold. He does it with hitting over 50 home runs. Rowdy Tellez goes big boy this year. Like, you guys had fun with Aaron Judge? Can you imagine that tubby guy jogging around basics, smiling all the time? Like, give me some Rowdy Tellez. It's going to be glorious. So that's my bold prediction. Rowdy Tellez. Wins the NL home run title. You can end it there if you want. If you really want the juice with over 50 home runs. So
1: that's what I'm going with. Nice. All right. Bull prediction number two, probably not surprising for those who know me or know that I drafted him at at pick 19 uh, or that I'm wearing my Phillies hat today. Uh, JT Rail Muto. Best last year's 2020 and goes 25, 25 as a catcher, and is a top five player overall in fantasy baseball. The reasons for this are simple. Number one, I think the projections are under projecting his plate appearances. He's at about 550 pretty consistently through through all of the projection systems, but I think You know, one thing that I haven't heard a lot of people talk about, and I could just be making it up, is that with Reese Hoskins being out for the year, it opens up additional plate appearances for JTR down the stretch. And he used to play first
0: base from time to time, too. He used to play
1: first base. It's been done before. Interesting, yeah. So maybe he plays first base against lefties, right, in the first half of the season. Maybe in the second half of the season when Bryce Harper comes back and he's at Utah you know, he's hitting, uh, first base against those lefties. So I bumped up his project into 500, five, five He's still under the 25, 25 mark. This has to be a bold prediction, but last year, JTR at 22 home runs on 44 barrels, which is a 50% home run to barrel rate. You bump that up to the league average of about 58%. You're looking at 25 home runs. And then from a steals perspective, and I want to give a shout out to, uh, Good friend James Anderson, uh, smart fantasy baseball mind and baseball mind in general. Um, he was, we were talking in Vegas and he was highlighting how good of a base dealer is JTR is. So I went and looked at it. And lo and behold, JTR has close to an 82% success rate in the major leagues with the old steel, the stolen base rules. I think with the new uh, stolen base rules, the bigger bags, the limit on pickoffs. Him being just a super smart baseball player um i think we see him get uh hit 25 uh steals and he goes 25 25 with a really good batting average at the catcher position in the heart of a Phillies lineup that while not as good is still a good lineup and will be really good in the second half so i'm really happy to have jtr on three of my five big teams
0: yep that's uh, understandable and expected on this show and it's ironic because we kind of filled our st- – I, I didn't fill out the sheet on time, and I have it on, on the side. And my second bold prediction is one of my guys as well. So it's, it's only fitting. And I do this because I've heard so much, oh, he's got no power, the power is not legit, blah, 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 blah. Thyro Estrada hit 14 home runs last year, stole 21 bags. Uh, projections also don't have him playing nearly enough games. A dude really is going to play, I think, almost every game, barring an injury. Like, they got him playing all over the diamond. They've got him – uh, I think versus lefties, he hits towards the top of the order, especially with Slater hurt. Towards righty. Versus righties, he hits like sixth. Like He's going to be everywhere in that lineup. So my bold prediction, the stolen base part might not be that bold because he had 21 steals last year. But hey, I, I could up it if you feel like it. He goes 20-25 this year. He hits 20 home runs. I think that's the bold part, of course, because the 14 last year people said was a fluke because, yeah, his, his barrel rate's not great. I get it. But what I point out with him is his max EV. He proves he can't hit the ball hard when he needs to hit the ball hard. And we saw in the minor leagues and triple a's I'm the reason I found out about Estrada a few years ago, besides being a giant prospect, was on Rates and Barrels when Eno and um, DVR would do like their minor league player of the week. There was one time where Thyro came up. I, I can't remember if he was still the Yankees. I think he with the Giants by then. And um, the, the stat cast members from A, they were off the charts for Thyro Estrada. So he can do it. He can do it. It's just a matter of clicking in the bigs. And I think it's going to happen sooner or later, and we're going with this year. So 2025, Thyro Estrada for the San Francisco Giants and my uh, 39% shares of fantasy teams. All right. Who's your number – what's your third bold prediction?
1: My third bold prediction is that first base is back, baby. I like it. There will be nine first basemen that finish as top 75 players in fantasy baseball this year and you might be saying toby that's not a bold prediction first basemen are all good well when you look at where they're going in adp there is only one two three four five six of them that are going in the top 100 by adp so uh i i actually believe it or not baba i got vlad jr in my biggest league this year.
0: Your biggest league
1: in an auction.
0: Was that your choice or Slack's choice? Yeah, it was
1: my that was our collective choice. Every uh, okay. choice <laughs> is our collective choice. But I was pro. I was pro. I have Vlad as a $37 player this year. I do not go high on 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 hitters. But I have him as a $37 player this year and I got him for $33. Um, and so I'm excited to root him on on the tour of redemption. Um so I got Vlad Jr. I got Freddie Freeman, Pete Alonzo, Paul Goldschmidt, Matt Olson, who I think is in for a huge year. I think that Matt Olson, he, I wanted to draft him so badly, but I love first base and corner so much. But I think Matt Olson has a Pete Alonzo type of year from last year where it kind of all clicks for him and he just goes wild. Um, Ryan Mountcastle will be a top 75 player. Nate Lowe, top 75 player. And then the two oh, you better players. Say you better Coming say from outside the top 100 picks. Well, actually, Mountcastle's going 144 and Lowe's going 124.
0: Are Rowdy. Thank you. I was about to say, problem right here. <laughs> and.
1: Out of, I don't know, left field or wherever he's going to play. Josh Naylor. Josh Naylor. Yeah,
0: I knew
1: it. Josh Naylor finishes as a top 75 player as well. High batting average. Working on that launch angle. More home runs. Steals a few bags. Plays every day. Outfield first base eligibility. We'll talk about him in the FOMO section. So that's mine. His his first base is back. Nine first basemen finishing the top 75 in fantasy baseball value this year
0: and I'm not even looking at the first-base list, but just the top of my head, like honorable mentions, you wouldn't be surprised if Josh Bell put it enough together. You wouldn't be surprised if Ty France finally took the next step because he gets for average already. He's got to stay healthy with the power. Like, they're, the, they're longer shots, but, man, imagine if they even get going.
1: Miguel go oh, Vargas, nice. too.
0: Yeah, because he's first-base eligible. That's right. And, you know, imagine if Reese Hoskins didn't blow out his knee, There'd be another guy right there for you. It's just pouring out, brother. Um, All right. My third bold prediction, and this is what I really—I I think baseball fans would be good with this one coming true. Honestly, I think they would be. Mike Trout, this is bold in so many levels. Mike Trout wins the triple crown, so that's bold because triple crowns only get one. That's bold because that says Mike Trout plays most of a season. So, like, there, there's a couple bolds there. Um, Given he played 113 games, or 119 hit 40 home runs, so. He might only need like 40, 130 games to to potentially qualify for the Triple Crown. Um, So there's that. And, you know, he's got Shohei on his team. There's all these things. So Triple Crown. um, But the the kicker, the kicker, because, you know, if Trout stays healthy, he's probably always in the running for Triple Crown. That's a big if. The kicker. He does all of this while the Angels win the AL West. Mm. That's the part I'm looking forward to. Because if he can stay healthy with Shohei healthy – I don't know. That seems built the best we've seen it in a while. Still not great. the 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 Mariners are going to be good. The Astros are awesome. Like I'm not knocking any of this, but the Angels they have that peskiness to them. I think if the starting pitching can kind of stick where the expectations kind of are, like if Detmers can do his thing and Sandoval maybe taking Suarez kind of take a little step forward, there could be something there behind Shohei. And then that offense again, you need Rendon. There's a lot of this, a ton of this in Anaheim, a ton of them. That's why it's a bold prediction, but um, yeah, Trout triple crown with the AL West champion Los Angeles Angels. So that's my that's my third bold prediction. Be fun though; it'd be fun because it was great seeing those two guys in the finals of the World Baseball Classic. Let's get them on the in the playoffs, huh? Let's have a little fun with that. All right, now the fun – well, they've all been fun. This has been a fun, like, relaxing show, actually. Um, Uh, Is it normally a stressful show for you? No, that's not what I meant. That's not what I meant. It's it's usually more structured. Like, hey, we're talking about these players. We're going – I guess this is more just like, yeah, let's have some fun with it. Um, FOMO, and we all have FOMO. And I'm glad you mentioned this because we were just going to do the first two topics, and you're like, hey, throw some FOMO out there. Yeah, it's a good call. Good call. So uh, who's your first – we're going to do three each. I know I doubled up on one. You probably might have a couple too. I don't know. Um, What's your first FOMO?
1: My first FOMO is a significant FOMO, Bubba. I'm not quite sure how it happened, but I don't have a single Dude. share of Dalton Varsho on any of my five big teams.
0: I almost put him on mine because I don't either.
1: I, I love catchers. Yep. I love Dalton Varsho. I think he's gonna have a massive year. Um, I, I was quite surprised, honestly. Um you know, generally I feel like catchers are undervalued, particularly, well, I can't really say particularly in auctions because I haven't done enough of them, but typically in my experience in drafts, catchers are undervalued. And in my first draft, they were. I got JTR for 25 bucks. I have JTR as a $30 guy. Um, and then I got uh, Sal Perez for 19 I have Sal Perez as like a $23 guy. Um, but in my other two big auctions, I... I got priced out. JTR (laughs) went for 28 and Varsha went for 28 and one. And in the other one, I wanna say it was either 27 or 28 for JTR. And um, it was close to that for Varsha as well. And while that's still a little bit of value, I I thought I could get more out of the position. I thought I could get a little bit more between the auction price and and what I had the guy at. And actually it it was a pretty, Fair market. And so I really kind of I think I kind of blew it there, Um, but uh, not getting Varsho there kind of hurt. And um, so I don't have anything of Dalton Varsho. I do have him in one of my D.C.'s. So it's not all lost. But um, honestly, that really doesn't it's not a drop in the bucket compared to the to the other leagues that I'm doing. So that makes me incredibly sad uh, because I I think Varsho could be absolutely massive.
0: I'm Uh, with you and I have no Varsho and I was already bummed about that as I was. And then today, Rob Silver tweets out, like, you know, I haven't projected for this, which would be like the best fantasy season for a catcher ever. But, like, I'm just saying, like, Rob, I'm, you're a smart guy. I like you. I, I do. I have nothing bad to say, but can you not tweet this right now? It's like, that's like, it's not cool. Could you, like, save that for, So like, bookmark it and then tweet it out when he does it. At least by then I can, you know, see it type thing. But, yeah, that one's that done a little bit. So my my first foam bone, it's a double tap, and it's really ironic because it goes in line with your first baseball prediction. And that's why I kind of put these two together because, honestly, Freddie Freeman I have here, and I could have put Goldie too, but I have Freeman because I don't have any Freeman because usually I was taking, like, the Tuckers of the world or I was taking almost a pitcher back there. Um, it just never – it was the way drafts worked. It never worked out. Like, or be, I'd be waiting for him around two, and he'd go, like, right before me or something. I think he's in for a phenomenal. Like the power comes back, and he's great. That's a simple one. People have talked about that. But what I put with him was Matt Olson. That's why it was funny when you mentioned him. I'm with you 100%. I can't remember who I was talking to the other day. Uh, I think it was in person, actually, too. Um, I think he's in for a gigantic season, like a tremendous season. I don't think the average is ever going to come back to what we saw a few years ago because that's just not who he is. But I could see like 260, which would be awesome. I think it's the 45-ish home runs he hits. I think he's just gonna tear the cover off the baseball. I know spring we're not supposed to get too excited about, but it looked effortless in spring. There like wasn't a challenge in spring. It was just every time you turned your head, oh, there's another Matt Olson home run. Like he's just as locked in as you've ever seen. And I think with that lineup, that ballpark, there's I'm gonna regret not having much Matt Olson. Like that stings. But the thing is, like you kind of pointed out with the depth of first base, it was like I was cool if I'm going to wait on a position, waiting on first base. But now we're going to find out. We've talked so much about take stats, not positions. We're going to see if I should have took stats, not positions in this scenario. Because I was taking a lot of Pete Alonzo, where I could have waited around and probably taken Matt Olson. That's mm-hmm. going to be one I'm going to sit with the entire season. And kind of been like, should I just gotten another outfielder or gotten like my SP1, get a Woodruff, get a NOLA, something right there. Maybe take a chance on Grom if I'm feeling really weird, something like that and then come and get Olsen the next round. That's where it's going to be a, a battle all season in my brain. So, yeah, FOMO. I'll say Matt Olsen. I'll get rid of Freddie. Matt Olson's My FOMO.
1: Well, you mentioned Freddie Freeman. I actually have him t- on two of my five big teams. There you go. I think he's he,
0: – to get a batting average like that, it's so beautiful, man. Like it's, it's. I know you talk about it a lot. Ryan actually talks about it a lot. It's such an – Maybe just everyone kind of knows it, doesn't talk about it. It seems like it's a very like underappreciated thing that Freddie Freeman does. And that's why like, – and when you explain that's why he gets drafted so high. Like he's every single season, it's like 290 or higher, usually over 300. That's what he does, like clockwork. He, he, he is such a
1: unique profile because he does that, and he also steals 10 bases, you yeah. know, and he's got a little bit of pop. He gets on base a ton. I just really wanted him this year. I felt like he was a great start. And believe it or not, in my main event, I went hitter-hitter to start off with.
0: I'm so proud. I of did
1: you. not draft. draft. A, I went Freddie Freeman, JTR, and then I hit Gosman, uh, Bieber, and Ray in my next three picks.
0: That's the beauty wow. of the pitching pool this year, though. Like, you can do it. And I remember when I we, we first started doing our previews, and you're like, ah, I still don't know. I don't know. I'm going to look at it. But I'm like, you just look at the depth of pitchers after like the top, like, elite three or four. It's a pool of a lot of similarities. You could pick what you want. You want more strikeouts. You want this, but a lot of similarities in this pool, and it's a huge pool this year. And I think he did pretty well getting the three, four, five.
1: My wife just made a cameo on the on the pod. It's only fitting. It's only fitting. Did 152
0: episodes. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: Took 152 episodes. Um, Okay,
0: who's your next FOMO?
1: Um, my next FOMO is Spencer Strider. I like Spencer Strider, not as much as some people. I really liked him. Um, and I got zero shares in all my leagues. I think I don't think I got Strider in a single place. Is that right? That must be right. I think it has to be right. Um, and that's painful, honestly, um, yeah that sucks i really like him he was pretty much my sp2 by the end of draft season it took me a little bit to get there but it was mostly because i wanted to see spring training and see how he was doing you know he was great um but yeah i didn't i don't i don't have a single share of spencer strider and that is a uh that's a mistake so
0: yeah i'm with you oh no i have one spencer strider
1: (laughs) i have one spencer strider On a DC, but still. uh, Not what you wanted. Oh, no, I have him in TGFBI. Okay. There you go. There you go. Um,
0: My second FOMO, and this is more of like, I still believe in the concerns, but I'm starting to buy more into the risk-reward factor of O'Neal Cruz. The batting average is terrifying. I get it. But the talent level, the potential for power and speed that he brings to the table at a position we've talked about gets kind of dropped off. At a certain point and you're not paying a premium premium for him the more like i went through drafts and then he started going where people were taking him ahead of me anyways even if i tried to circle him but earlier in draft season i could have got some shares of him probably and that's one of those i think similar to um you know i just rooting and watching players you want to see them have fun i'm going to like Matt Olson, like if if O'Neill Cruz has a big year, it's going to sting. It's going to sting a lot because I let my bias see of a guy that has a horrible plate discipline, which he does, he does. But it, it it improved a little. That's me just probably trying to convince myself. But um, the talent level is legit, and that might be one like unlike Wander Franco, who I'm still a believer, in, like pr- he has, he's got to prove it because he's shown no signs of it to me. Um, I think he's a better real life player than fantasy player. O'Neal Cruz like, is probably a better fantasy player than real-life player, is the way I see it. And that's where – that's the kind of guy I should be taking chances on in drafts. And that's kind of a – I got too hesitant, too cautious, and that's a FOMO for me is O'Neal Cruz.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I think third? he's going to yeah. be great. I think he's going to be really good. Yeah.
0: Who's your third FOMO? Um,
1: My last one is Josh Naylor. Now, I have hey. Josh You have Naylor a lot of shares. On, I have a lot of shares. I have him on five – I have him on five teams overall i have him only on two of my two of my big leagues and they were both the snake draft ones i did not get him in a single auction which are typically my biggest leagues um and i messed up i just messed it up and there's nothing more to say about it i love josh naylor he was going for five or six dollars in the auctions, and I just played the cards wrong, and that's sad,
0: yeah. No, well, I, I get you there. Um, my last one is man, it's a similar name to the last one, too, in a roundabout way. Tyler O'Neill, you mentioned him earlier. Um, this one's gonna stink because I don't have any shares of Tyler O'Neill. I looked up zero shares of Tyler O'Neill. And I was trying for him in every O.C. I, I had him circled. I was willing to push him up. It didn't matter people were pushing him up as well. Once I kind of saw he was healthy, once I saw he was going to be the regular center filler. probably everybody else saw the same thing, obviously. Um, I like guess the blessing and the curse of doing drafts right at the end is early on he can take the specs. For now, we kind of have an idea. Um, I think he's going to do for a big bounce back. He's healthy. This is a 2020 type dude, maybe even more. Like here's the power maybe's maybe 30, 20, 30, 25. Like he's a very, very talented player. So, um, this is going to sting. The, the, here's another one. Like there's a handful of guys that we talk about it. Like when we recap seasons where it's, you look at guys that win leagues and then it's like, man, I picked all these guys, but these like two guys were different type situations. If it comes down to like Matt Olson and Tyler O'Neill, I'm going to be furious because I love these guys, but Tyler O'Neill's another one. I think, I think he's in for a biggie, a very, very big season. And, um, it's yeah it's looking real good for him so that's my other FOMO let's hope so guess yeah, what Bubba that's why I laughed when you mentioned him I was like yep
1: yep <laughs> Bubba some breaking news Ooh, what do we got our beloved Sacramento Kings I was have made the, game, the yeah. playoffs for yeah. the first time in 16 years
0: and they're the three seed
1: Light the beam, baby. Light, Light the, beam. the beam. I loved what you were Light saying that beam. with
0: uh, Jenstead on the Road to Warrior show. Light the beam. He's a Warriors fan. Light the fan.
1: beam, baby.
0: Yeah, that's beautiful. Like they've got me watching games again. So I, I miss going to watch them play. And this team's fun, young, fun team. Uh, it was cool because I had it on in the background. A lot of people flew to the game. They all bought. They bought like the whole section behind the Kings bench. And they gave like they stood they as the Kings were walking off the court they're getting a standing ovation it was pretty cool the Kings are like high five that's and stuff. cool that was cool it's like the old days like I remember when Arco was rocking man like it was oh dude was that literally was the, the best fans in the NBA for a reason it was a wild experience Weber Pagea yeah. Vodeng Christie it. so, it's a fun man, group a Mike fun Bibby group.
1: Jason Williams before Mike Bibby I mean yeah. it was it was a it bit was some great like times poquito. yeah. Yeah, I'm taking the kids to, the, to their first game uh, on Sunday. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. So they're blast. super excited. Like, Kids come home want to play like Nerf basketball in the hallway and stuff like that. So
0: that's awesome, man. That's it's what it's great. all about, right there. That's sweet. And you're not going to be tired at all because you won't be doing fab the night. Well, you will be doing fab the night before. Never mind. I'm just kidding.
1: <laughs> I'll kidding. be no. I'll be doing. I'll do, Yeah, I'll be doing fab the night before and and at night after the game driving home because it's yeah. the
0: during game the game. Three, it's just watch so it's the like game. Focus on the game, three, kids. Three Dad's over 30. here. Yeah, I know. Yeah.
1: That's
0: sure. that's awesome. So. All right, we got a couple listener questions, and then we'll head on out of here with episode 152. Our buddy J-Dub, The Gamer, um, expectations for Brendan Fott. Uh, For me, I'm just kind of in limbo because I don't know when he's coming up. That's my problem.
1: Yeah. um, I think he's super talented. Everything I hear, yeah, he's super good, super talented. I think the question is, is he is he out for a couple weeks or is he out for longer? You know, how does he pitch when he's down there? I assume that he'll do well. So he could be up quickly. So it's just a matter of patience and figuring out whether, whether you have that. I, I think he can be effective. Um, let's see what we got. Uh, just from he's a very, very good.
0: It's a hundred percent. Cause they put Dre Jameson in the bullpen, which is interesting. Like they didn't even send him down to keep stretched out. So it almost was like fought would be the first guy up potentially, but
1: yeah. You don't know what their d-backs are going to do totally the projections seem to like him i mean as far as projections go high three zra one two whip about a strikeout per inning which which is about as good as good as they get for rookies so you know um if you have him uh i guess you're holding on to him or um seeing how things play out if you if he's on the waiver wire you know you can shell out a little bit to pick them up this week, see what happens. But, um, yeah, it'll be it'll be interesting. It'll be an interesting early storyline to see whether they're just holding them out a couple games or, or I mean, a couple weeks or or uh, it's something bigger than that.
0: Yeah, it's either going to make drafters that took the chance on them look really, really smart or it's going to sting really, really bad. And they're going to drop them. They'll probably come up the next week. So that's totally. what it'll be. Um, oh, yeah, another show. Sorry, I know people don't care about us, but another showing at the Golden One, there's fans of partying outside the stadium right now. Yeah. Yeah, it, it's big wild. Time. it's like the old it days, man. It's wild. It um, is. Our buddy MS at SMS 79. My bold take would be the nationals aren't a total doormat this year. Feels like they have a funky mix of misfit toys that might get 60 wins. Yeah, it could be. Could be. It's gonna be interesting. Uh, I, to I feel
1: like sixty wins is a doormat team. I think that's the it only is a... that's the only problem. That's uh 60 and 102, which Still is not good very bump. good. I yeah. think they're pretty god awful. I mean, yeah, they're, they're going to be bad. Uh, and they'll probably the, trade
0: who they'll trade whoever has a pulse too. That's the worst part.
1: I mean, this is the projected lineup: Lee uh, Lane Thomas, who I like a lot. I like Lane Thomas a lot. Uh, Dominic Smith hitting second. Joey Meneses hitting third. Corey Dickerson hitting fourth. Heimer Condelario hitting fifth. Luis Garcia hitting sixth. Kybert Ruiz hitting seventh. CJ Abrams hitting eighth and Victor Robles hitting ninth. Um, Oof, yeah, yeah. That is that's going to be a little. That's not to be mention a, the starting rotation. It's going to be a no for me.
0: Not to mention that starting rotation with Patrick Corbin leading the way. Um, our buddy Dave Petroziello says or asks, "Are you buying Graham Ashcraft at all?" Uh, we'll start that. Like he's got a two parter. Are you buying? I'm buying the velocity 100 percent on buying the strikeout skills. We kind of saw that even last year at times. It's just, do you trust him in great American small park? That's what you. that's the bottom line to me. I was, I'm, I was taking chances towards the end of the, of the season. I think he's very, very good. And his ADP. If he's not, you drop him. It's a beautiful thing.
1: Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think there are some things that I do pay attention to and strike out, strike out some walks is one of them. And he's about as good as you could, you could possibly hope for, um, you know, for, for this, uh, Yeah, I mean, what was he? He was sixth in the MLB in strikeouts at 25, and he coupled that with two walks for a 0.87 whip and a seven in over 17 and a third innings with a 260 ERA. Um, That's pretty phenomenal. Um, So you can't get much better. And like you said, Bubba, going where he's going. You know, the thing that you all that I'm always trying to be mindful of is you know, who, what is the opponent quality? And there's a metric that baseball reference has called uh, op qual, which is essentially opponent quality that they have in spring training. So he was at 7.4 for opponent quality, which is between double A and triple A. So the average hitter he was facing was between double A and triple A. And I think that's why it's so challenging to believe in some of these mat- metrics, right, and to make huge shifts in value because of them, I do think what Ashcraft did deserves that. But that's why I have such a hard time with hitters that do really well. Like, it's really hard. I'm not really focused on like the production per se, but some of the changes, like they don't even do ground ball rate in um, in in uh, spring training, right. so it's like ground out to air out ratio essentially. Um, so. You know, those are the types of things and velocity bumps that I'm paying attention to, which is why I like some guys like Nick Pavetta. Um, but yeah, I don't, I don't see a reason why not to.
0: His other question, if you like velocity bumps, I got one for you. He says, "At um, what about Reed Detmers and Clark Schmidt? Can they come close to matching the expectations with all the helium they have gotten?" I like them both. I took Schmidt today actually. I didn't have to pay extra for him either. It's going to his normal ADP, which is nice but mm-hmm. um and he's got that giants matchup in week 1 it's worth every draft pick right there um i like them both the, the helium on detmers is insane but uh, what do you think on those two guys
1: yeah um detmers you know he hadn't thrown in front of StatCast. cast he did the last two times and there was that below bump and and i believe in below bumps i'm hoping not well you know it's it's mean to say i'm hoping he doesn't do as well but um you know i don't have any shares of him i was not willing to um pay the draft cost for him either in auctions or in um uh in snake drafts so yeah so I didn't I didn't get him um Clark Schmidt I might have one in a in a DC I think before the the price inflated um you know I like Clark Schmidt I think the cutter looked really really good he looked good in spring I don't know how the results were but uh I may basically focus on velocity and then whiffs and CSW during during spring. And he was doing really well on all of those metrics. So um, I like him. I mean, I'm sure Detmers will be fine. You know, um, I think the walks will be interesting uh, to see what he's able to do in that front. And um, yeah, the, the Angels don't have like a huge history of great pitchers outside of Otani. So um, we'll see how they do.
0: Yeah, it's interesting the development with Detmers from just last season coming back from the minors, the slider usage to this off season. now with the velocity he's got. The developments looked great. Now let's just see how it works. You know, the whole way through. So I'm with you. I was buying in. The new price is getting a little tougher to buy in. And Schmidt, I'm with you as well. So it's fun. We'll see what happens. Dusty Wagner through a shout out to keep up the good work. He likes what we're doing. Wants to get me in Vegas next year. That's the plan. I've been planning on going the last two years. Something always comes up. The goal is to get there and hang out with you guys. It really is. Next that year's is the, the year. Next That's year's the plan. Year. It is meant to be. It is meant to be. I would like to go, and you know Taylor Swift is there. I missed it. What a bummer! But I um, know I love Taylor you know, Swift. Yeah, little T sizzle. Um, but uh, we'll wrap it up there. Episode one fifty two of the bags. Any final thoughts before we head into the regular season, Mister Toby G?
1: Well, Bubba, this is a big. This is a big episode. A big, uh, a big uh, finale. Um, so this, I, this is going to be our last episode of Bubba in the Bat Flip, um, at least for a little while. I'm going to be taking the, uh, the season off. Um, as I mentioned before, I've tried to cut down on the number of leagues, trying to just generally cut down on the, the number of time and, and how distracted I am um, during fantasy baseball season. And so one of the things that I've decided to do is to, uh, is to take, a, take a hiatus from podcasting on a regular basis. I will be happy to come on uh uh with you whenever you need it. Um, but uh you will not be getting uh Bubba and the Bat flip on a weekly basis during the season this year, which is which is both sad. Uh well it's sad, uh, but it's also um something like I I felt like I had to do this year. So um yeah, I'm gonna miss uh, I'm gonna miss potting with you uh every Monday, Tuesday night. Um Honestly, like I've I've stuck with the podcast for as long as I did because I've I've just enjoyed hanging out with you. So, um, yeah, I appreciate appreciate uh, you. I appreciate everybody uh, who has listened over the years. Um, it's been uh, it's been a it's been a great ride, and who knows what the future holds. But um, you know, uh, it's it's been really great. So I appreciate it. I appreciate you, and uh, yeah, I'll miss it.
0: Yeah, it's a, it's a bummer, but it's one like I've told Toby off set many times and I support a million percent. He's a great dad needs to go do that stuff. And uh, I, like he kind of mentioned, I told him flat out, you just text me when you want to come on. The, the the mic is open. So even if I have a guest booked, I'll tell the book the booked guest we got to bump you a week or something. Like Toby gets the spot back for Monday or Tuesday anytime he wants it. So it's, it has been a privilege. I get to call you friend, not just co-host. Um, it's been awesome seeing you in person many times. It is awesome talking to you. It makes potting easier when you get along with the person than you know, the person and all those things. It's like a, a, a little, there's a rhythm to it and it makes it good. So uh, I'm happy for you being able to just kind of step back into your thing because you do have two awesome little guys that I know they keep doing more and more things. Like you mentioned the Kings game this week, like they're getting bigger. They want to go do things. You got to go have some fun. Not worry about talking to me about fab for a couple hours a night or something. Like there's a lot going on. So it's been awesome. I know the fans love you. The fans will be excited when you jump on from time to time, but uh 100% understandable. Mike's always available. You know, you got my number. We'll be in touch for sure. I'm not worried about that. So uh, it's been a privilege. And uh, like I said, more importantly, your friend, not just co-host. So I appreciate you very much, my friend.
1: For sure. And and Bubba, I appreciate you listening to me talk so much <laughs> over all these years. I mean, geez, <laughs> it takes a special kind of patience to listen to me uh, rattle through all those, uh, all those metrics and uh, Go off on tangents here and there so okay. uh, it's
0: it's yeah. it's made me i don't know if better player is the right word but better analyst because i i know you'll remember and maybe if listeners have been with us from the beginning 152 episodes folks it's been a while uh if they're from the beginning i and i still make fun of it now i was a caveman i you talk savant i i used to have to text Toby like how do i even like find the spray charts on savant like i'd be doing all kinds of things uh he mentioned metrics so i'd have to, like write down so i can look them up later because i had no clue what you're saying and I'm still nowhere near Toby, but I can at least hold a conversation. I'm like in the realm of like, Hey, I know what these things mean somewhat. Like I have an idea. Um, so it's, uh, you've taught me a lot. Let's put it that way to, uh That's why I always liked our combination. It's like, I'm just like this simple guy that, you know, has, does more like feel when it comes to fantasy baseball. And you're, 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 you're the stats guy. I'm just kind of the mouth and it's a good combo that people loved. They loved and it will be back once in a while. So don't think it's not over. It's just kind of, a break from time to time so that's the beauty of it all and uh, sure. yeah it's gonna be great i um, wish yeah. you well i look forward to chatting with you off the mic and uh have some fun and you know tell your wife or her appearance on 152 was great I 152 know, that weeks. was like uh, yeah I, I was looking at, i was looking at a different page and i came back to our stream yard i'm like oh hey someone's back there <laughs> but,
1: i think she showed up on maybe one or two early ones but okay.
0: um, i'm usually not looking at our screen so i, I, I don't know i know well on. i think
1: i think there's been a couple times i used to record inside the house instead of inside oh, yeah, the yeah, office yeah, yeah. and yeah. she would come in or my kids would come in like at night or whatever yeah um but you yeah you your kids can, a few new- times yeah. yeah. You gave me, you gave me my first shot. And the first time I was ever on a podcast yeah. was you invited me to on a podcast. I wonder which bench with Bubba that is. We should figure that out. But well, you invited cool me on a it. podcast and you've done that for so many different people, you know, like giving them that opportunity. They're helping, up and coming. Like when you're first starting out, like you just want to be able to share your ideas and talk baseball with people and you've given folks that opportunity and, and given them a, a an opportunity to kind of, um, share their perspective and kind of their unique talents that they bring to to the equation. So kudos to you. Uh, kudos to you for that as well. And I know you'll keep doing that um, and keep producing great content. The first pitch. I look forward to listening to your voice every morning, you yeah, know, on the drive to work. It's going to be great.
0: The response to that's been shocking. I've only two episodes, but my goodness, that was that was a... A shocking one. So that's gonna be a fun season too. Yeah, there's just a lot. I love doing this. So it's like when certain I won't say yes to everything, even though it seems like I do. Trust me. Um, but if it's the right situation, the right people I like to work with and whatever, it's uh, I'm open. My ears are open, at least. That's the way it works. And Nick, Nick's a great guy. We know Nick. So it's uh it works out really, really well. But again, we won't keep doing. It. It's like I, this is the thing. This is us, but like, we could talk all day. I don't think the listeners like. <laughs> we could sit. "Oh, what they like, love to hear this sappy yeah, stuff." Yeah. They, well, they tuned
1: I'm, in to get emotional tonight. Hey, what, right? what I'll
0: say, what I'll say is, once we started talking about this, our listeners that are live have gone up, and they haven't left. Usually by now they're <laughs> off the air. So you know, sometimes they want to realize we actually are human beings. It's it's not just you know reading the computer screen. But uh, yeah, no, uh, we'll wrap it there. Though it's a pleasure, my friend, and I look forward to whenever it is—year, month, three years, whatever it is. There's no, there's no standard time, but I'm looking forward to putting you on the mic once again. But on that note, Toby will still be on Twitter once in a while. On Twitter at BatflipCrazy. Once okay, in a while, he's, kind of, he's taking a step back from that too. He like he's doing the good thing, so I'm. Jealous and happy for you at the same time. Um, it's gonna, you're you're going to love the decision you made. Uh, follow him on Twitter at BatFlipCrazy. I'm on Twitter at BDNTric. And I will be back with you next week on another episode of Bench with Bubba. And Toby, someday. You'll never know. Just someday. He'll just gonna show up. I, won't, I might not even tweet it out. It'll just be like a surprise. He'll be back. So you guys have a good one. This is ben, uh, Bubba and the BatFlip, episode 152, the grand
1: finale. Catch you guys next time. That is gonna wrap us up for episode 248 of the Batflip Crazy Podcast and edition number 152, the final episode of Bubba and the Batflip. At least for now. Who knows what the future holds? Um, just wanna thank all of you so much uh, for listening over the what has now become many years. I think I started the podcast in in uh in 2018. I want to say it was 2018, maybe even slightly before then. I think my first episode uh, was a deep analysis of uh, Manny Margot and Wilson Contreras. Um, but it's been a long time uh, since then. And a lot of you have been, been with me through the whole ride. So uh, really appreciate all of you tuning in. Uh, I'm not disappearing. I'll, I'll, I'll still be on podcasts occasionally, including this one with Bubba. Um, For sure. Um, I just love uh, I love hanging out with him. And um, yeah, and uh, there will be there will be other stuff um, as well. So I'll be on Twitter. Uh, I don't engage as much as I used to anymore. um, But um, yeah, I just uh, I just can't thank you all enough for for helping make the podcast a reality for listening to it um, for just all of the support throughout the years, the kind words even this weekend in Vegas, uh, people were coming up and, and just saying how much they enjoyed the podcast. And, and that means a lot. Uh, the community that I've been able to build um, and that we've built uh, through uh, podcasting and through fantasy baseball has just been incredible um, and just uh, feel really fortunate um, in, in so many ways. So thank you so much for listening. Uh, take care and be kind to one another.